Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Matthew chapter 21. Uh, and um, I opted not to show the video um, just because of time and uh, just felt like it was uh, uh, something we could maybe uh, investigate in a couple weeks. But it was about our Bolivia, um, our uh, Bolivia uh, missions project that we're involved in. And um, it just kind of gives us some more information, some more uh, stuff about it. But we'll jump into that maybe after Easter, the Sunday after. But I, I know you're turning to Matthew 21, and today is Palm Sunday today. And so we're going to be looking at the triumphal entry of Jesus. And if you've been around church for any amount of time, if you grew up in church, right, this is a story that probably all of us have been familiar with at one point or another. We've probably, you know, done the coloring page of the um, palm branches. We've probably done all of those things, you know, to kind of do that. But there's something about being familiar with a story that oftentimes we can miss the important stuff. We can miss some of the, um, the power behind that. And so in this story that we're going to read here in Matthew 21, now there, it's recorded all throughout all of the Gospels, but in Matthew 21, um, we're going to look at this in a way that because, because Jesus does something that's kind of maybe confusing and kind of um, contradictory from how Jesus normally did things. Okay, so you're going to have to follow me because, you know, we can look sometimes and think, well, um, well we, get, we, we don't look at it objectively. Sometimes we just look for what, what does this mean to me? But see, what he does is some things that are kind of out of character from the past that we can see how he operated in Scripture. So are you with me? Okay, so the title of this message is, Who is this? Who is this? And now we're going to read this long passage in Matthew. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage of the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Verse 11. The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts, drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Uh, in verse 13, it says, It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. 
The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw that wonderful thing he did, and the children shouting in the temple court saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Both, uh, then they go, uh, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and the infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent tonight. So the temptation when we read something like that, because we've heard it over and over a lot of times, again, like I said, we kind of look at it and we immediately kind of jump to what does this mean? Right? What is the, the, the significance of this? Why does this matter to me? But before we jump into that significance, I think it's important for us maybe to step back and observe the text for, for itself, right? To actually see what is happening in the story. Because like I said, we've read it over and over many, many times. We've heard it. But sometimes I think it's good to kind of step back and say, okay, let's, let's kind of see what, that, what, what really is going on here. Because I, I think there's some inter- interesting stuff for us to look at from, a, from a kind of being objective, right? So one of the first observations is that this is really kind of out of character for Jesus. And you might say, well, what do you mean you know, by that, Pastor Scott, right? Because it, it, it's... He, he kind of begins to operate in a different light because we know over time and we've seen throughout Scripture that when he healed people, when he was together with people, when he touched people, when he had compassion on someone, and, and people began to realize, what did Jesus normally do? He said, hey, don't say anything. Don't tell anybody about it. Go show yourself to the priest." right? Or go home and, and, and whatever, but really kind of kind of keep it on the down low. And so here he, he, here he is, and something has definitely changed in, in, the, in this story. Because, you know, when Jesus would do that, a lot of times he would just kind of slip away from the crowds. Man, he'd go into like different, you know, the different cities and kind of just kind of Keep, keep it on the down low, I guess, in a way. You know, even though he, he, he was doing great things, but he was kind of like, hey, make sure, because really it was his time wasn't up, right? His time wasn't ready. And so here he is. He's in this, uh, this, this, this circumstance, and he, he's riding on this donkey, while well, people are spreading coats and palm branches before him, shouting Hosanna in the highest. And this is really kind of out of sync, I think, in some ways. Now, it's scripture. It's true. It's real. But I think it's kind of out of, out of, 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 of sync in, in some ways, maybe even to the, to the disciples at the time, because Jesus was always quiet, right? He was kind of humble. And then we have this moment. And so we have to ask, what is going on here? Why the change? Why is there a shift all of a sudden? Why is Jesus now embracing the moment when he never actually did that before? And so what I want to do is back up real quick to Matthew chapter 20. Because I think in order to answer that, why is there a shift, we have to go back to Matthew 20. Because there's something that is remarkable that takes place here. right? We have to look at it in the sense of going, okay, 
what is going on? Why, why will this explain the triumphal entry that is taking place? Okay, so let's rewind a few verses to Matthew chapter 20, 29 through 34. And so let's look at the moment before the moment, okay? And this is what it says. And Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now you may look at that and think, well, that's not really unusual, Pastor Scott. I'm not really understanding because, you know, Jesus had always had compassion on people and he healed people. So what's so unique about this story? I mean, it's not a shocker. Jesus has always done this. But I want us to notice that the blind man, what the blind man said to Jesus when he was, he was coming by, they called out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, the son of David is a messianic title. It means Messiah, right? Now, this is a name that is known throughout the history of Israel where the people have been talking about and they have been in anticipation waiting for their king to come, waiting for this Messiah to come, this ultimate king who would establish God's reign on earth. So when they heard that, I think all of the people would have understood, man, here they're calling forth, right? They're, they're, they had been prophesying about it, and they're calling forth with these men saying, son of David, have mercy on it. Now, I would think that everybody in the crowd would be able to recognize that. They would understand what the title meant. They knew what these, these men were saying, but we notice in there, some of the people answered and said, hey, be quiet. Now, I don't know why they said be quiet. I'm not 100% sure. But see, this is the very first time in public that Jesus is, is given his messianic name and he accepts it. He accepts it. Before it was kind of, hey, don't, don't, don't say too much. You know, just keep it on the down low. Yeah, I healed you. you. You got this thing going on between me and you. But you know what? Don't go out and publicly declare it or anything like this. But here in this thing, when these guys cry out, Jesus says, yeah, that's me. That's me. So here, here we have Jesus for the very first time. He's going public. He's allowing it to stick. He's allowing this, this, his messiahship to stick. I mean, they're crying out to this long-awaited king, this long-awaited Messiah, have mercy on us. And like I said, Jesus stops and he says, that's me. What would you like me to do for you? And, and my guess is, I bet you the people in the crowd maybe even gasped. <gasps> like, whoa, 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 what's what's going on? I mean, why? Because the people that were closest to him all along wanted him to establish, wanted him to declare himself as king, but Jesus wouldn't. And so now all of a sudden they're looking at it and they're going, whoa, wait, whoa, okay. Because, you know, they had seen his power, 
They watched his miracles. They heard him teach. They knew what he was capable of. And so there had to be a part in them thinking, man, it's finally here. Jesus, man, it's about time you told everybody who you were. Man, we are so excited that you are finally admitting that you are the Messiah. You are finally making this public. But the thing with it, though, came some implications, right? I mean, this is not a small thing that Jesus now is accepting, becoming public, that he is the Messiah. And the crowd, too, has, uh, has, there's some implications for them, too, because theirs was a nation that had been occupied and oppressed. Right? To them, he either, he's either going to triumph and take the kingship or he's going to be crushed by the authorities because those guys come, when any kind of uprising happens, they come to quell it. And so Jesus accepts this. And so can you imagine for a moment the excitement that was going on, the joy that was happening, the king that we have been waiting for, that we've been longing for, that we've heard about in prophecies, the things that we, we, we've been desiring. We cannot wait. He's finally here. But it may have, too, right, been a moment of trepidation, realizing it's on. It's on. The clock is ticking. You know, it's not like, you know, it would be WWJD, what would Jesus do? But instead, it's like, what will Jesus do? Like, what, what is he going to do? He's the Messiah. He's finally here. He's presenting himself. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be awesome. So you can see kind of this unique shift. I mean, Jesus knew this was the Passover week, right? He's hit, what he's going into is leading him to the ultimate purpose of why he's here. And so here he is. He's walking in. He, he, all of a sudden, people are starting to declare his messiahship, and he takes it for the first time. He's going public, right? And then, let me give you another thing, right? There's another shift because Jesus seems... And I've never thought about this before, but Jesus seems to arrange this whole triumphant entry, right? He arranges his inauguration, let's put it that way. Because in Matthew, in Matthew we find six verses that describe Jesus arranging it, right? It's almost like you're, par- you're planning your own um, um, uh, surprise birthday party, right? No one does that. Do you? I mean, you don't plan. I mean, who does that? But here Jesus is. He's planning kind of this whole inauguration thing. And so he wasn't, because you could read that and just go, well, he's kind of going along with the people because the people were so excited and they were just pumped up. And so they wanted him to get on a donkey and they wanted him to ride in Jerusalem. But, but in the text, we see that he's kind of orchestrating this, right? So he sends his disciples into Bethpage to get a donkey. Right? And now Bethpage and, and Bethany are, are these little tiny suburbs around Jerusalem. And Jesus knew these, this, this, these towns really, really well. He was so familiar with them because, and, and he would have known where the donkeys and the animals would have been. And so he, he, he probably in, in, would interact with these people. I mean, this is, this is the place where uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus 
lived. He spent a lot of time there. And the people that were there probably witnessed all that he did, especially when he raised Lazarus from the dead. They had witnessed this. And so the people in this community, man, they knew who he was. And so when his disciples went to go get the donkey, he didn't have to send them at night to steal a donkey. Right? He didn't have to do that. He, but he sends them out in daylight, in broad daylight, to get the donkey. And they didn't even have to like bully the owner. Right? And just say, hey, just go along with the plan. Right? But instead, Jesus says, hey, if anybody asks, say that the Lord needs them. So these people were familiar enough to be able to say, you know, and maybe that's what happened. They get the donkey and someone says, hey, what are you doing? Hey, the Lord needs it. Oh, the Lord needs it. Okay. Because they had experienced his power. They had experienced who he was and they knew that there was something on his life. But yet now all of a sudden Jesus is beginning to fulfill his, messi- his messiahship. Like he was, people were being able to, to grab a hold of it. So they get the donkey, and in the midst of it all, I am sure that the word spread that Jesus was coming, that Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem. And so I'm sure it began to cause this quite a stir. Now we find in Matthew 21.9, it says, the crowds that went ahead of him. Now those are those who had gathered outside the walls of, of Jerusalem. So there's almost, to me, like there's two groups. There's the people who gathered outside of Jerusalem, and kind of knew from Bethany and, 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 and um, uh, Bethpage, and had followed him. And then there was a crowd inside of Jerusalem as well. But it says, the crowds went ahead of him, and those that had followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then in verse 10, we see it says this, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Right? So you kind of see where I'm getting the two crowds? You got the Bethany and, and, and the Bethpage crowd. Yeah, Jesus is awesome. He is the best. He's, man, he's the Messiah. He's great. He enters into Jerusalem, and then you got a crowd going, who is this? Who is this guy? And so Jesus kind of brings his own crowd with him. Right? He's kind of stirring this up. He's, he's entering in the city, and it was so chaotic, but everyone didn't know who he was. But it points to reality that Jesus arranged his inauguration. He set this up. So it would appear that, man, that almost like Jesus is forcing the issue. He ensured that when he entered into Jerusalem, he would be declared king. Are you tracking that? Because we just see kind of the, the triumphal area and be like, yeah, Hosanna, yeah, great, great, great. Goes into Jerusalem, oh yeah. But see, Jesus kind of had a purpose and a plan. And he said, you know what? For me to step in and begin to show people who I am, these things need to come to pass. These things need to happen. And so, and it's almost like he's confronting, I would say, the leaders in Jerusalem with the claim to his kingship as he walking in. So Jesus allows the title to rest on him. He kind of is arranging the circumstances. And then it's puzzling to me and probably to the disciples. I'm reading into this. But it's puzzling to me, 
he chose a donkey to ride in on, right? I mean, have you ever thought about that? A donkey? Crazy. I mean, even Shrek knew, you know, to, to turn donkey into a, a, a steed, right? When he entered into the kingdom of far, far away. But, but here, here, we have to understand, kings don't ride on donkeys, Right? Kings ride on horses. But this, again, is a fulfillment of a prophecy spoken of Jesus in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So I kind of get this picture that Jesus is establishing this prophecy's validity by requesting and then riding in on a donkey. But yet, to probably everyone else, they're looking at it and saying, man, this is not the animal of a conquering king. This is not the kind of animal a conquering king would ride in on. He would ride in on a, a really probably strong horse. Because in, in those times, servants rode donkeys. And by doing this, then Jesus kind of was answering and revealing kind of the first of three things that I want to cover today on who he is on his way to the cross. And so the very first point I want to get to is that Jesus comes as a gentle king. Jesus comes as a gentle king. Matthew 21, 5 says, says, uh, say to daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gently and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Now, this was the exact opposite of what people expected. It really was. I mean, and remember, we live in, an, we, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom to the world. So when we live according to the principles of the kingdom of God, we're actually living upside down to the world because the world sees it as this, but the kingdom of God is absolutely different than what the world sees. Wouldn't you agree with that? So we live in this upside down kingdom. And then also the operational power of the kingdom is sacrifice and service. So if you want the operational power of the kingdom of God to be functioning in your life, you know what? There's Part of that is sacrifice and service. So Jesus wasn't coming to liberate them because that's what they thought. He was coming to liberate them from the, the Roman rule as they had hoped. He, he, he wasn't coming for that reason. But instead, he came lonely, gentle, as a servant. Their king riding on a donkey. And I could imagine that probably sent them mixed signals. Kind of like, come on, Jesus. Man, don't you understand? Kings don't ride donkeys. Kings don't come gentle. They ride horses. They are forceful when they come. Servants ride donkeys, Jesus. Man, Jesus, I mean, if you had a PR guy, I'm sure the PR guy would say, hey, you're sending the wrong message here, buddy. You're totally, you're messing this up. But, he, but here's the deal. He, he wasn't messing it up. He was being tactical, right? He was revealing, that's not me. 
Jesus came forcefully, I'm sure somewhere in my life, man, he would have totally took me out. Right? I mean, the lightning bolt, whatever you want to call it, I don't know what he would do. But if he came forcefully, I'm sure somehow, some way, and, and probably even I would be disqualified from a lot of things. But see, Jesus was very tactical in what he was doing here because he comes gently. Okay? Now, I'm going to kind of make this up, but I, I really kind of think in some ways that Jesus is the originator of the Jedi mind trick. Okay? I'm, I'm making it up. It's not in scripture. Don't, you know, point fingers at me, right? And the reason why is this, because he knows the human heart. He knows that the human heart, he knows the human's will, and he knows how you and I respond to a show of force. He knows how we respond to a show of force. So he comes as a king, but he comes gently because he knows when people are asked about their rulership, about his rulership over their lives, that deep down in our heart's is this desire or almost entitlement. It's a right that we feel we need to defend. That we all of a sudden, eh, wait, wait, that, that nobody right, can tell me how I should live my life. It's in all of us. I mean, if it's not in you, then man, you are way ahead of me. And, and maybe you should be up here speaking. Because there's things in my life sometimes that pop up and go, oh, no, that is way too hard. You want me to live this way? You want me to do that? You want me to stretch myself into an area that, man, I feel totally inadequate? And he's like, yes. But he says it gently, not forcefully, right? He says, yes, I want you to stretch yourself, Pastor Scott. I want you to move into some things that, man, I have I have you to do, I want you to do. But see, inside, sometimes we, this thing rises up inside of us, right? Because it's in all of us, right? But the deep down inside, we kind of bristle when someone tries to tell us what to do, right? Or we get outraged when someone tries to assert themselves in authority over us that maybe we don't think they should. But deep down inside of us, right, there is this... In, indistinguishable, um, relentless idea that I am my own master. But see, Jesus comes as a gentle king. And it's a beautiful picture of the gospel, right? It's this kind of paradox of King Jesus. King Jesus comes as he takes the position of a gentle servant for salvation to come. And then he uproots that thing that's inside of us that wants to resist his authority, right? He's working on that. But see, we also have to position ourselves for him to work on that. And, 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 and you can kind of, you know, when you talk about kind of this whole paradox of King Jesus, right? He comes gently, but I also found it interesting, and it's not really in my notes, but I found it interesting. You know, he walks into the house of God, and in one passage, he calls it, hey, this is my father's house. My father's house should be called a house of prayer. But then this time he says, it's my house whoa, wait a minute, you're changing the narrative again, Jesus. He says, this is my father. And what does he do? And I, oh, maybe it is in my nose, I don't know. But he starts turning over tables. He starts flipping. So there's a part of Jesus that's gentle, but I also think there's a part of Jesus that is very much aware that, you know what? I need you to establish that I am king over your life. I need you to do that, right? So you think, oh, 
Jesus is so gentle. Yeah, but also at the same time, there's something that he is doing inside of us that he is trying to, to get us to understand. No, you need to understand. You, you need to make some changes. And if I've got to flip the tables, if I've got to push over the benches, then allow me to. Allow me to. But see, he uproots all of this inside of us. He does it in a way. See, he'll be forceful in that way, but then he'll come alongside in this this very gentle, compassionate way that he is. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says this, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Man, that, I, wow, right? There's this gentleness about him, but he's also trying to compel you so that you'll turn from your sin. You know, and just some other thoughts about this, this gentleness. I mean, think about the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. That parable. What does the father do? He comes running to him. He wraps his arms around him. That's gentle king. That's a dad being gentle, even though he knew that there was things in in his son's life. So Jesus comes to us as a gentle king. The second thing is Jesus comes as a saving king. Jesus comes as a saving king. Matthew 21, verse 9 says, The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Right? And this word, Hosanna, comes from a Hebrew word that means save now or save us, we pray. It's the very first word in the book of us, uh, or in Psalms chapter 18, verse 25. This is what it says. It says, save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. But in, and in the message version of it, I love it, it says this, salvation now, God. Salvation now. Oh, yes, a free and full life. Right? And so in this moment, you have the people declaring this. Right? They're using this word in his triumphal entry because they were thinking, Lord, you're going to save us now because now is the fulfillment of the divinic covenant that God made in 2 Samuel 7 that their Messiah would come through the line of David. And so now they're looking at it and going, yes, the Messiah has come. He's going to set up God's kingdom in this place. We're going to finally experience the freedom that we need to have. But But sadly, the people wanted freedom politically, not spiritually that day. So before Jesus could take care of the political problems of the people, he had to be a sacrifice to cure the sin of all the people. But see, they had a a different thought. He's coming to take away Rome. He's coming so that we can live in freedom. 
But then Jesus is like, yeah, that's, that's not why I'm coming. I'm coming to take away your sin. I'm coming to be your Messiah. I'm coming, I'm coming for that reason. So their cries of Hosanna, right, didn't mean what they actually thought it meant in the moment because Jesus had to come. Jesus has come to save. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So it wasn't going to be in the manner that they desired, the people desired, because they thought how he was coming that, you know what, hey, we're going we're gonna to see, you know, kind of be saved from what, all that's going on. But in a way, though, about a week later, it happened. It happened by way of the cross. If people would put their trust and faith in Jesus, they would be set free from the law of sin and death. But it happened with a cross. God provided a spiritual salvation from the bondage of sin to everyone who believed through the cross. Acts chapter 2, verse 21 says this, And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, invoking, adoring, and worshiping the Lord Jesus, shall be saved. And it's got that thing, rescued spiritually. Right? The people were wanting to be rescued politically, in the natural But see, Jesus didn't come to do that. He'll eventually come to do that when he returns. But he came to set people free spiritually. That was his whole premise. So the people were were on one track, but man, they were missing it because Jesus was like, no, I'm on another track, but I need you to find this other track because this other track is going to be the track that's going to give you freedom. Something like that. So, He came to save us all. The very last point that we find from here, Jesus comes to be king. Jesus comes to be king. He comes to be king in your life. And and just so you know, making Jesus king of your life in all areas is a task that requires purpose. It requires purpose. Right? These people had a purpose when they were there. You know, when Jesus is on the donkey, they had a purpose of being there. And it says this, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get into branches because I don't have time for that. But branches were kind of seen for two, two purposes in, in the culture. And one was a sign of joy and one was a sign of victory. So in that, what they would do, they would wave palm branches for joy. Yeah, this is awesome. Right? like going to a, a football game or something like that. Can you imagine everyone coming with a palm branch, you know, during a Panthers game? Yeah, this is great. Go Panthers. No, that's not going to happen. But, but that's part of joy. And then the other part is that they would lay the palm trees on the ground so that when the king would walk or come through, he wasn't touching the ground. It wasn't touching the ground, but it was also a part of the victory. The king has victory, right? So they cut other branches around from the trees and they spread them on the road. And in their doing so, they were purposely showing Jesus in the moment, okay? Despite they were missing the whole intent of the moment. 
In the moment, they were showing Jesus, Jesus, we are submitting to your kingship over us politically. Not spiritually, because that's not where they were at. But they were saying, you know what? Hey, we're laying down our cloaks, right? We're trying to show you, Jesus, that just like our ancestors did when, when King Jehu right, became king and laid their cloaks on the ground for him to walk on, kind of as an act of submission and an act of honor and an act of loyalty, Jesus, we are going to do the same for you politically. So were they missing it? Yeah, they were. And, and what I love about this, I think it's in the John account. John's so cool. But John, John like, you know, in, in the process of him um, writing this and it, and it coming, John actually goes back and says, yeah, we recognize we missed it. <laughs> we, you know, we, we, we realize he's the only one that says that. He says, yeah, I kinda, I kinda, we kind of missed it. Okay? But see, Jesus wasn't about the political kingship. Instead, he looks at it as this laying down of the cloak, right? He looks at it as a symbol for a believer as an act of submission, as an act of honor, as an act of loyalty. Because what, what was the cloak? The cloak was that kept them warm, right? A, a cloak was about who they were. A cloak was all this about their clothing and stuff like that. So he's looking at it and saying, okay, are you willing to lay down your cloak before me? That's a challenge to all of us. Not the worst person in the world. Not the sinner, but all of us. Because you know what? He, he's, he's saying, hey, will you be loyal to me in, every, in everything? Will you spread your cloak, right? Like, like taking your time, your talent, your treasure. Will you lay it before him without any reservation? Will you give him everything you have? Everything that you are? Will you, you, you give him everything that, that even, even what you need? Will you say that, Lord, man, I'm giving you everything that I am, everything that I need. I'm giving it all to you because you are the king of my life. But see, that means you have to be purposeful. You can't be lazy. Right? Jesus isn't in the lazy. He's very much into purpose. Be purposeful about your relationship with him. Be purposeful about your time, talent, and your treasure. Right? Because, you know, it says, you know, you show where your heart's at when it comes to your time, talent, and treasure. If it's apart from God and you're sowing your time, talent, and treasure apart from God, perfect, perfect way to look at your heart. Man, my heart's off. My heart's got kind of whacked. It's, it's not functioning the way it's supposed to. If Jesus is truly king of our life. So we've got to be purposeful. And, and I just want to share this last scripture with you because, you know, as, as I was thinking about that, even, even just in my own life and, and maybe those things where, man, maybe I've held back a, a, a coat or two and said, Jesus, I'm not willing to kind of just put it, put it on the ground for you to walk on. But, but, I, but I thought about it a little bit and, and, and part of the sharing the scripture is just so that, you know what, I, I hope that Jesus will never utter these words to us because we've made him the king. 
In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, this is in the Message Bible, it says this. I hope he says he never says this to us. Why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you. Man, that should hit. Hits me. Because I'm not perfect. I know that's surprising, right? My wife's like, that's right, preach it. Um, but man, that, 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 that hits me. Because you know what? Like he said, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir. That's right, sir. Right? That's like, you know, being in church going, that's right. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you get outside, and man, you not, don't do anything that, that the scripture talks about. You don't aren't putting to practice what you're hearing and doing. But see, my heart is, is that none of us would, would be caught into that, but that we would recognize, hey, man, we're, we're looking at it, and, and, and we, we are acknowledging in our lives, right, that Jesus comes as a gentle king. Praise God for that, right? He set this thing up. He, he is now the guy that says, you know what? You're right. I am the Messiah because I know my time is coming. I know that I'm going to be crucified on a cross. I know that I'm going to be raised again from the dead. I know that I'm going to be your Savior. I set this thing up. I'm triumphantly walking in on a, on a donkey because I want to serve people. But in that service, it's us recognizing he's king, Right? Because that's the only way salvation happened. He came as a servant. And so we recognize that he's a gentle king. And then the fact that he came to save us. Each one of us. And I know Easter's right around the corner. Or next week, actually. Right? But he came to save us. He came to be that king that, that, that saves so that we can cry out. When we cry out to him he can say what do you need I need you Jesus I need you in my life well that's me and I can do that I can forgive you of your sin I can forgive you of the lifestyle you're living I can forgive you of all the things that are going on in your life now understand I'm gently going to walk you through this but there are times I'm going to come and I'm going to turn the tables over in your life and see what we need to do is just be okay with that knowing that as he's turning the tables and it looks forceful. But Jesus is doing it in a gentle way. Right? To get us to that point where we need to be. So we, we recognize, we acknowledge that he's a gentle king, that he comes to save us and he, and he comes to be our king. Where we totally submit ourselves, where we totally honor, where we totally become loyal to Him in such a way that we are not spreading ourselves all over the place, trying to do all kinds of things or whatever, but we're actually saying, no, okay, you know what? My, my foundation is God. My foundation is Christ. And as a foundation for me, I do everything out of that foundation, not separate from it. So this morning, you know what? I know this sounds kind of probably maybe lame or however we could do it, but I, I want us to kind of symbolically throw our cloak, coats, right? Or, or, or cloaks on the ground, right? And, and kind of symbolically 
take some palm branches and wave Jesus into our life. Come on, Jesus. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Right? And then just welcome him into our hearts. That to me is kind of what Palm Sunday is about. Us looking at it and being able to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to wave my palm branches today and I'm going to say, come on, let's go, let's go. And then I'm going to throw my cloak down and I'm going to say, you're my king. You, you, you walk on it. You, you guide and direct. You lead me. And I, 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 I'll put you first. I'll put you above everything else. But see, you have to be purposeful. Right? Would you not agree there are so many things coming at your attention, so many things coming at you that can really take you away from being purposeful with God? Right? I mean, just being tired all the time. Your alarm goes off in the morning. I don't know if you're a morning person. Some people are a night person. That's cool because I like night, night things, but I'm getting older and now it's a little bit off. But if you, you're a morning person and the alarm goes off, man, you know, that's like you're tired. Right? Oh my God, I'm so tired. But purposeful, I got to get up and spend time with the Lord. Right? Or you get through, I'm a night person. Okay, well, I might have to shut down the TV and spend some time with him before I go to bed. But it's being purposeful to say, okay, you're a gentle king. You're working on me. You came and saved me. And now you're my king and I'm submitting to you and being purposeful about that. That to me is kind of what this whole event is, this whole Palm Sunday is about. Because then, you know what? We know that Sunday's coming. We know that he's going to go to the cross. We know he's going to rise again. But I am so grateful for the three things that, that, that he's doing in my life, the three things that he is in my life. He's gentle to me, sometimes forceful when he has to be, right? But he's gentle. He's my savior. And he's my king. So bow your heads with me for a minute. And as we close... I just want to pray over you. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are. We thank you so much just kind of in the process of learning about your triumphal entry, the things that were on your heart as you were putting this all together. We thank you that you come as a gentle king towards us. Lord, and if there are some rough edges in our life that kind of rise up whenever we feel like you're telling us, hey, no, you need to live this way. You need to live according to the way God's word is. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you just gently, in a way, just begin to to sandpaper our rough edges. That you would work within us. Speak to us, Lord. Where are those areas? And then I thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving us. And if there's anybody in the house right now that, man, maybe you either aren't walking with the Lord and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord or maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord, I just want to take this quick moment and offer that.
anybody in this prayer. If there's anybody, just all you got to do is slip your hand out. I'm not going to embarrass you. We'll have something to give to you afterwards. But if that's any of you, then I want to give you that opportunity right now, right here. And then, Lord, thank you for being our king. And, Lord, wherever it is in our lives that maybe we won't lay down a cloak for you, a coat for you, for you to come and be king, I ask, Holy Spirit, you would work on our hearts. You would begin to show us and stir that in us so that, Lord, we can be just submitted to you, that we can just give honor to you, that we can just live for you the way you you just desire your people to live. And so I just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for Palm Sunday. I thank you that, that you saw ahead and knew what was coming, but you still said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin my ministry, I'm gonna, in a sense, I'm going to begin my public declaration of being the Messiah. And so I'm grateful for that. I thank you for what you're doing in us. I thank you for all that, that's, that, that, that you have planned for us. And we just bless you and give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.